0: I want to start by saying good morning to everybody joining us online and at every location. Uh, We're going to jump right into God's word today because I've been hearing the word revival. In my prayer time, during 21 days of prayer and before, I feel like our word for 2023 is revival. So everybody say that with me revival. All right? You're going to hear me talk about this a lot. In fact, next week, I'm going to be preaching about revival. Uh, now, revival serious stuff, so I'm going to start out with something kind of not so serious, a little, uh, little funny joke. Um, story I heard about a man and a woman, they were shopping. Uh, maybe you've done this, didn't really have any shopping money, so they thought they'd just walk around the mall, whatever, get a cup of coffee, and they agreed to buy nothing. Uh, however, the wife saw a dress she really wanted. She, tr- she tried it on. Her husband was like, we're not buying this, right? And she was okay. And then they went home. But the next day, she snuck back up there and bought the dress, all right? And uh, later on, a week or so, he saw the dress in the closet. He's like, wait a minute. We agreed you're not going to buy that dress. And she said, well, honey, the devil made me do it. And he said, well, why didn't you tell the devil what the Bible says? Get thee behind me, Satan. She said, I did. But he said it looked even better from behind. (laughs) All right, that's what the devil will do, all right? He's got a plan for you. But today, we're going to talk about serious stuff. We're going to talk about the plan God has for you, and that is revival. And the time for revival is now. Say that with me. The time for revival is now. Now, actually the word time is what I want to zero in on today. This is in Mark 1. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says, later on, after John was arrested by King Herod, Jesus went to Galilee to preach God's good news. And verse 15 says, at last the time has come, he announced, God's kingdom is near, turn from your sins and act on this glorious news. The time, the key there, the time has come. Now, that word time is important. In the New Testament, we have two different Greek words for time that are both translated into our English Bible as the word time, but they're different Greek words. Now, uh, the, the, the most common one is a word chronos. Everybody say Chronos. Now you know a little Greek, all right? Kronos is where we get our word chronology or chronological. It's like the passage of time uh, on your watch. But, but that's not this word here. Move, there we go. The time here is a different Greek word. It's, it's a more exciting word. It's kairos. It's a very rare word in the New Testament, but it means it's defined as an opportunity or a due season or the appointed time in the purpose of God. That This word kairos means that God's timeline is fulfilled. And, and here in Mark chapter 1, this is the culmination of 800 prophetic words given over centuries about the coming of Messiah. Prophecies, honestly, that people had hoped for and prayed for and some of them had given up on. Like, is Jesus, is the Son of God really going to come? And as they waited and waited, suddenly it all changed. You see, when God sends revival, when God starts to do something on the earth, it happens suddenly. I'll show that through you, uh, to you in, in a few ways. When, when Malachi was pr- predicting the coming of Christ, he said, see, I'll send my messenger who will prepare a way before me. Then suddenly, I'm going to need you to help me today. Every time we see suddenly, say it with me. Then suddenly, Suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come. That's, that's, uh, an indication that God's timing had come. Now, after Jesus came, uh, born of a virgin, all the, uh, Christmas story, the angels come to the shepherds and the Bible says, and Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." Fast forward into the Book of Acts, you have 120 people waiting in the upper room that Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit is going to come. They're waiting. Day one passes. Day two, three. They're in the place a week. Nothing happens. Seven, eight, nine. And on the 10th day, watch this, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly moments began to happen. And when Saul You remember the guy who just was an enemy of God becomes Paul. He has this amazing moment with God. Acts chapter 9 records the moment when it all changed for him. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground. Now, you can fast forward and you can see these suddenly moments keep happening in the New Testament. Again, when when Paul, many years later, he's preaching the gospel with Silas. They're thrown into prison. Acts chapter 16 says at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners are listening to them and suddenly there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once, at once, all at one sudden moment, All the prison doors. How many prison doors? All the prison doors fell open and everybody's chains came loose. This is an example of revival. This is what I believe God is releasing over our church, your family, the people you love, your school, where you go to school, where you work, the circle of influence around you is like this, where you might be the only person believing God, the only person standing up for God as Paul and Silas were in that prison. And what happened? Everybody got set free. The jailer got set. All the prisoners' doors, it says all the doors came open. All the prisoners got out. All of them met Jesus. The jailer was about to take his own life, but Paul and Silas preached the gospel to him. He met the Lord. They went to his house. His wife and children met the Lord. Somebody say, suddenly, that's what revival feels like. That's what revival sounds like. When I'm praying and God says, Jerry... This is a year of revival. I'm remembering this story and I'm saying, okay, God, let's see it happen this year. Now I want to tell you a few suddenly facts. If you're taking notes, everybody, every location, pull out your notes, join along with us. If you're online, you can click on the link. All those notes are available online. Suddenly facts. All right, here we go. Suddenly's happen at a specific moment in your destiny. Now I'm I'm going to belabor this point because I think the stories bear this out, that God has placed moments in your journey. Suddenly, like everything's boring, nothing is happening, and boom. Because when we see these stories, there's always the mention of a specific moment of time. Galatians 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. When John the Baptist was born to a barren woman, Luke 1 and 57 says, now Elizabeth's full time had come. When Jesus was born of a virgin, the Bible says in Luke 2, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. When the world's greatest revival happened, it happened on the day of Pentecost, about the third hour, right? And that great earthquake in Acts 16, where the prison doors fell open, happened at... Midnight. I don't think it's a coincidence that all these miracles we're given the times and the days that, that happen. It's as if God is saying there are <clears throat> there are suddenly moments planned in your future. You're just doing life. It's boring. You're trying to be faithful. Maybe you're praying, you're giving, you're serving, you're believing, and nothing happens. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then an explosion of God happens suddenly in your life. Listen, I want you to believe, believe in your heart that God has a suddenly moment in his day planner circled with your name on it. That things are not always going to be the same. That what you've prayed for and never gotten an answer to won't always be that way. There's a kairos moment. Time, time, time is ticking away and then kairos time happens. Your due season comes. Somebody say amen. I want you to believe for your moment. Suddenly's happen. Here's the second thing. Suddenly's happened in a specific moment. Here's the second thing about suddenly. Suddenly moments disrupt the established power base. Now the thing you're praying about, there's a known power base that keeps it from happening. Okay. could be a sickness, a financial need, a relationship issue. There's a power base that stops it from happening. When, when Elizabeth, who would give birth to John the Baptist was barren, her barrenness was the power base. That controlled her destiny. But when her suddenly happened, the barrenness was disruptive. When when, when the angel told Mary, you're going to have a son, you're going to give birth to the son of God, it was a biological impossibility. She had never been with a man. The known power base was biology. But when her suddenly moment came, biology was disrupted. On the day of Pentecost, the power base was religion. It was separating God from man, but the Holy Spirit fell and religion was disrupted with relationship. The point is when the presence and the power of God breaks into your life, everything changes. There is no source of knowledge. There's no source of power. There is no, there's no uh, fact, right? No, no fact on the ground. There's no scientific reality that can stop what God wants to do in your life. A doctor may have said, this is how it's going to have to be. When your Kairos moment comes, it disrupts the power base of biology. Your finances might say, this is all that can happen. How many of you know God owns the cattle of a thousand hills? He can change everything when your moment comes. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to build your faith and let you know that the reality around you does not define your future. Your God defines your future. Your destiny is not determined by what you see up here, but it's what, God, what God's word says about you and what you can receive in your heart and believe. Suddenly moments redefine your future. And here's the best part. This next one sounds like a rah-rah moment, but it's just right in the book. I can't overlook it, so let's rah-rah about it together. It's true that God is setting you up for a suddenly moment. Somebody shout amen. Why do I say this, setting you up? Because in these stories, you can see the setup building. Paul and Silas, the guys that were in prison, right? Revival broke out in jail. The, the, The prison doors fell open. The earthquake happened. If you read the background of that, Paul had gone through a really tough season as he was in a stern disagreement with his mentor, Barnabas. I love it how people talk about uh, the New Testament church like it was perfect. Everything was great. And we ought to just have one church like they had in the New Testament. All the denominational walls should be broken down. Everybody should love everybody like they. Let me tell you, they fought in the New Testament like we do today. <laughs> I mean, because there's people there. And Paul and Barnabas, I mean, there is no Paul without Barnabas, his mentor. And yet they came at odds and that so much that they wouldn't, they wouldn't preach together, they wouldn't travel together, they never ministered together as far as we know ever again. And yet what does God do? God anoints Barnabas to go his way. God anoints Paul to go his way. And so Paul gets up from that, that, that disillusionment and that disappointment and God stirs his heart to go to a dangerous place in Asia and, and Paul, because he knows he's heard from God, he takes a giant leap of faith. And the next thing that happened was nuts. Revival happened. People start to hear the message. Uh, healing start to take place. And how are, they, <coughs> how are Paul and Silas rewarded? They're just thrown into prison right and they're not just in prison they are beaten they're not just in prison they're in the inner prison of a first century jail i don't even want to think about what that was like cold and dark and no electricity and no running water and no indoor plumbing and their 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 backs are beaten open from the beating that they have taken there's no infirmary no first aid they're clinging to a wall by chains and, and what do they do? They just decide they're going to start praising God. And at midnight, the Bible says, their suddenly moment came. Now I could be wrong, but I think in hindsight, they wouldn't have changed anything. This was a destiny defining moment in their lives. And and you know what? I tell you that because you might be looking at long odds yourself, trouble everywhere. You wonder, how's this thing going to turn around? Things just keep getting worse. And you say, maybe God has forsaken you. Well, I say, maybe God is setting you up. Maybe he's building your story. Maybe he's defining your destiny in a way that cannot be denied. Because if it was easy, if just little by little by little, you worked hard, got rewarded, did better and did better and better, you might think it was all about you. But if you go through hell, if you go through a mess, if it's impossible, and then it happens, not only will you know, but the world will know God made it happen. I say God is setting you up for a miracle moment in your life. Don't lose heart. Things are gonna change in your life. Your suddenly moment is coming. Why don't you clap your hands and give him praise if you believe that? Your moment is coming. Well, if your moment's coming, if you believe it, if you believe revival is gonna be yours, and I do, I believe that in all my heart, that you are gonna be a a flashpoint, a center point for revival. When when God gives me this word for our church revival, I, I don't mean like we're going to put a tent outside and we're going to have just as I am on loop, and yeah, and I don't mean that. I'm talking about miraculous, supernatural things happening inside of you, and as it happens inside of you, it it begins to break out in the circle of influence that you have around you. That revival is not going to be random faces you've never seen before. It's going to be your own children your grandchildren. It's going to be the people that you go to school with, you love, your parents, some of you. It's going to be people, friends of yours, people you work with. You say, well, you don't know the people I work No, that's the very people God wants to bring to the cross. And it begins in your life. Something happens. You have to believe that there's a suddenly moment happening in your life, and it's not just for you. It's for the people around you. Now, if you can believe that, If you can believe that that there's a suddenly moment on God's day planner for you, I want to show you what I call suddenly accelerators. What can I do? What can you do? If it's going to happen, I want to accelerate it, right? If God's got something for me, let's have it happen right now. Here are some suddenly accelerators. And I'm just going to, again, it's right in the story. I'm not releasing any deep theology you can't see for yourself. I'm just organizing some thoughts around these stories, There are things that these people did that accelerated the moment in their life. Let me start with Paul and Silas. The accelerator was praise. Suddenly accelerators. Paul and Silas went to prison because they praised. Praise got them into prison and praise got them out of prison. They just refused to stop praising. Do you know praise will get you out when your lawyer can't get you out? Praise will get you out of things that your, your money can't get you out of, that a pay raise or a loan couldn't get you out of. Things you couldn't solve with your parents helping you or your pastor helping you, praise will get you there. What your doctor can't do for you, praise can do for you. Oh, I know it. I know it's true. It's true in my life. This one's personal to me because I remember when the doctor told us that my wife was going to die of an incurable liver disease. We didn't have a different diagnosis. They didn't have a medication that would change anything. All we had was faith. All we had was praise and the prayer of other believers. And we just praised. And I remember Leslie telling her story of washing dishes and just standing over dishes and wanting to pray, wanting to pray for her miracle, but the words wouldn't come out. And so all she could do was sing songs of praise. And as she praised, God moved. As she praised, God healed and God miraculously healed her. You can be, you can praise your way out of what you can't do anything else for, somebody say. Amen. Praise is a dynamic, suddenly accelerator in your life. If you believe God's gonna do something, if you believe there's a Kairos miracle moment in your future, praise your way into it. Man, come into the house of God and enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Lift him up and pray. I've heard people tell me, pastor, I come into this place and I sing songs in faith that I do not believe in my head. God's always been faithful and I'm thinking to myself, if he's faithful, why hasn't he answered this prayer? Why hasn't he taken care of this? God, I can always trust you. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I have trusted you, but you haven't done this and you haven't done that. Let me tell you, there are people around you in this building. Every time we gather, they are singing songs to God. They're lifting up in praise. And it is not a celebration of what's going on in their life. And it's not necessarily a, a feeling of joy that they have inside of them. It is a choice because praise is a choice. When you decide, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust, I'm going to worship, no matter how I see it or what's happening in my life, your praise will accelerate the move of God in your life. I dare you to do it. Man, trade in whatever music, whatever you're listening to in your car, just trade it for worship music. Just trade it and begin to worship, begin to praise. I took a day off this week, and I played golf all by myself. I started out listening to a political podcast. Man, it was not good. My attitude went right with the attitude of politics. And within one hole of of golf, I switched that thing over to worship music. And man, for the next two or three hours, just me and God, man, it it was dynamic how my spirit shifted. I challenge you to do the same thing, not one day, but for the rest of your life, begin to be a worshiper. Begin to praise your way into the move of God for your life. If you got it, say amen. All right, Paul and Silas's sudden accelerator was praised. Watch this, Elizabeth and Zachariah. This was a pretty cool one. <laughs> you see, Elizabeth was supposed to give birth to the greatest preacher that there ever was. Jesus would say of John the Baptist, "There's never been a greater preacher born of woman." He was an amazing person. He was the prophetic forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was an important person. The problem was Zachariah could not get with the program. He was a negative. Everybody say negative. He was a negative person. He always saw the worst. He couldn't see the best. And so you know what accelerated their moment? He finally shut up. Shutting up sometimes is the most uh, dynamic accelerator of miracles in your life. You know, because he expected the worst all the time and God helped him shut up supernaturally. He was unable to speak for nine months. And finally, when God opened up his lips, the first words out of his mouth was the word of the Lord. He finally got with the program. What am I telling you? Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do to bring a kairos moment in your life is to cut out all the negative talk. Because God can do anything in an atmosphere of faith, but he refuses to do one thing amid negativity. I'm telling you, your negative talk, your negative expectation will stop everything in your life. You need a miracle in your life, cut out the negative speech. You might be doing everything right. You are praying and you are giving and you are serving and you are loving others and you are believing and you're wondering, where is it happening in my life? Let me tell you what, your negativity will stop the move of God in your life. Always talking about the negative, always seeing the worst. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, pastor, I'm believing for my miracle. Then why are you always talking about everything bad and negative? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, according to your faith, it's going to be given to you. And I can tell your faith by what's coming out of your mouth. Let me tell you another deadly kind of negative speech is negativity about the body of Christ within the body of Christ. That's the worst thing we can do. The Bible says that God set up in the church his shepherds and leaders, and I'm talking about pastors. And let me tell you, as long as you go to Daystar Church, as long as this is your church, you're gonna have flawed leaders, and it starts at the top. I'm the most flawed out of our whole group of leadership. I'm flawed and I know it and I'm working on it. It's just a big job to get them all straightened out. And every one of our pastors and leaders are flawed. But God has called you to pray for them, to lift them up, to believe in them, to encourage them. And that negative speech, that's the worst thing. The Bible says it's like witchcraft. It's the one thing that the Bible says God actually hates. God is love, but there's a a small handful of things he hates and sowing discord and backbiting within the body of Christ. That negativity will shut down God's hand of blessing over your life. Man, walk out of here and speak your miracle with your mouth. How you doing? I am blessed. I'm believing for a miracle. I ask you to keep, I'm not saying to deny what you're going through. Ask people to believe with you, but talk about where God's taking you. Speak positively. You're wondering, why is your husband not more of a man of God? Why do you keep speaking negativity over him? Prophesy over him that he's God's anointed. Prophesy over your wife that she's a Proverbs 31 woman, because according to your faith, it will be done to you. And an amazing, suddenly accelerator, it's cutting out all the negative speech. If you got it, say, I got it. All right, here's the last one. Mary, the Virgin Mary. What accelerated God's move in her life? Unrelenting faith. God said all these, this angel said all these amazing, impossible things to her. You're going to give birth. (laughs) You've never been with a man, but you're going to have a virgin birth. And and you're not just going to give birth to any, any child. It's going to be the son of God. He's the Christ, the prophesied, all these amazing things. And what does she say? Yes, Lord, I believe. When there is no reason to believe, when there's nothing in your head that says it could work out, when no one else believed, Mary simply believed. When her parents didn't believe. When her husband-to-be, Joseph, <clears throat> when he didn't believe, she just kept believing because, hear this, faith is a choice. Faith is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It's not joy. It's not based, based on anything rational or anything you can understand. Faith is a choice. It's like when I was driving down the road and I got word that my, my wife was losing our Our daughter like she had lost so many others in multiple miscarriages. The exact same thing was happening. The doctor expected it. She expected it. And I heard God say to me, Jerry, faith is a choice. And right then and there, I chose to believe. I looked up to heaven. I remember where I was, sitting at a red light, hands on the steering wheel. I said, then God, I choose to believe. For a miracle, I drove home as fast as I could. I took my wife by the hands. We laid across the bed. I told her, we can choose to believe for our miracle. We chose to believe. We prayed together. We expected something different than what we had had all those times before. And let me tell you right now, 19 years later, that little dying embryo inside my wife is on scholarship at at college today because God honors faith. And you can choose to believe. I want to challenge you right now. I know it's hard. You might have thought, I've heard that miracle story. I've heard other miracle stories. Where's my story? Let me tell you, it happens suddenly, in a moment. And if you can choose to believe, your due season will come. I want to tell you one more. I, I think it's a faith accelerator. And and I'll say this in closing. What turned Saul, hater of God, enemy of God, into Paul, the man of God? It was when he traded religion for relationship. See, See, Paul, Saul, as he was known, he knew everything about the scriptures. He was a scholar in it. And yet he didn't know God. He had... Status and he had money and he had a family and he had a home and he traded it all for a relationship with God. It was a costly trade. Cost him all that. But I was thinking about it this week, 2000 years later. All, whoever got his money, his house that he had, whoever stepped in, in into the Sanhedrin where he had a seat, whoever got all that stuff that he lost, all that stuff is long since dead and gone. But Paul's influence has done nothing but grow his impact on the world. There are thousands of preachers like me preaching about him today. And in the 2,000 years since he died, he's been in the presence of God for every minute. Let me tell you, trading religion for relationship is the best deal you'll ever make. And if you do nothing else from your moment, your experience with this church, I hope you'll go home today knowing that you know the master because nothing is as powerful as a real and personal encounter with Jesus Christ. There's nothing that will change your life more. I'm not talking about going to church or giving money or signing a registry or becoming a member. I'm talking about not being religious or becoming a better person or trying to be an upstand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a revolutionary change inside of you that you cannot do on your own, no matter how many books you read or how hard you try, how many you know, New Year's resolutions you try to put in place. This can only happen by the supernatural power of God. I challenge you, don't leave this moment until you are certain that you know the Savior of the world.